So I know that I'm supposed to be the one that knows the most about the astral realm, but I don't know everything there is to know about it. Certainly don't know every location there is to know. There's an infinite number of them, but I've been following the coordinates that my guest for today gave me, and I thought I was doing a pretty good job, but I gotta say, I'm feeling a... I'm feeling a little lost. I'm gonna keep orienteering here, and I'm gonna use the magic of editing to cut right to the part where I get to the actual interview, but I'm looking forward to chatting with my guest today, Robin Jeffrey of the Aficionados Podcast Network, producing shows where they pick apart every little detail about some of people's favorite shows and dig down into what the showrunners really wanted to portray. A while back, I had posted a TikTok of me breaking down the plot of Lost in less than five minutes, and she reached out in my comments and invited me onto her podcast. So I invited her right back, and now we're going to talk about, well, Lost. I will say that it is my intention to structure the first half of the conversation to be as abstractly talking about fiction in general as possible, so if you are not a fan of Lost, there should still be some relevant content here, but I will also warn that this conversation is going to get very spoiler-heavy. So, if you haven't seen Lost and you don't want spoilers, sorry. But if you have seen Lost, this is, this is going to be a good time. Thank you for listening, and welcome to Episode 9 of Podcast from a Desk in the Astral Realm. Well, hello, hello. Uh, welcome to the Astral Realm, and thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. It is absolutely wonderful to have you here. Everyone, I want to invite you to come take a listen to me and the absolutely awesome Robin Jeffrey, lead podcaster in all things Lost and many other uh, wonderful pieces of fiction. That is extremely kind and extremely generous. Lead lead fiction podcaster of all things wow. Lost here forever uh, and into the future. We are here today to talk about fiction and fandoms and storytelling and probably lost but we're gonna see how long we can hold off from talking just about lost we'll see <laughs> i i'm i'm so glad that we were able to make this happen i'm so glad that you were able to find your way into the realm you reached out to me on on tiktok originally That's and true. asked for me to be on your on your lost podcast and my initial reaction was this is is this a joke like i i, I never I'm thought like, i'd have a no. chance to do that we still have yet to have you on the podcast because we're we're currently scheduling guests like so super far in advance, but I've got you on like the top of the list for if people like bow out. Okay. Well, I'm I'm happy to I'm happy to fill in any episode ever because I could talk about Fabulous. that. Well, as as our dear listeners are about to find out, could talk about that for virtually ever. But here's here's the challenge I wanna put out for just us. Here's what I want to try to do. See how long we can go having a productive conversation that does not just devolve into conspiracy theories about the Dharma Initiative. That is a challenge. I don't think we're up for it, but we'll find out. We shall see. So uh, I, I I am fascinated by the, the world of analyzing fiction. I'm fascinated because mm -hmm. 
It's not a world I've ever been even remotely near. I I do a lot of consumption of fiction. I do very little critical analysis and thinking about the depth of the story and the portrayal of the characters and all that. Mm-hmm. So I, I am really excited to hear from your perspective how to even begin approaching taking something that's presented as just purely entertainment, some kind of serial fiction, and... Where do you even begin with pulling at strands and and unraveling it to figure out what is even happening underneath? What, what's mm-hmm. your what's your approach to the beginnings of working your way through something complex like that? So if um, your listeners don't know me, which maybe you do, maybe I tweeted about this podcast episode coming out and you already have listened to six years of me talking about fiction and this is nothing new to you. Um, but I started a podcast network called The Aficionados um, with my best friend, Brittany. Um, and that was six years ago that we started that. And we have covered many different uh, TV shows, including Lost, um, which I will talk about Uh, at the end. Um, (laughs) But so I think that to your question, the way that I start is that I think about how even though there are people who are watching the show who are just watching it for entertainment, almost everybody behind the scenes of the show always meant to make some sort of piece of art. You know, they, the people who made it had a motive, you know, or like there's motivation there that they were like trying to reach out and tell us about. And so I think that's partially what I sort of reach for is I'm just like, what are they trying to say here? What kind of like, based on like the camera angles, based on the dialogue, based on the acting choices, based on, you know, it's like what all can we take, based on the writing, which is like the main one. But um, yeah, the way, place where I start is what was the intent behind it from the creatives. See, that that is very challenging for me like how, you you start with what's not presented on screen or at least what's not presented plainly it sounds like you're starting yeah. with with the sort of level below the surface why yeah why start there mm-hmm. well so on i guess that's not te- that's sort of where i start in my brain wise if we're podcasting about it we're going to start by summarizing what's happening in the episode and then as things happen, we will like dive in deeper to talk about sort of like how we feel about it, how we think like the message they were trying to tell us and and stuff like that. So I would say that's sort of like where we where we actually start is well, we start <laughs> talking about the the title also. You know, I think that the title tells a lot about about the episode in general. Um, what was the question again? <laughs> uh, what, like why? Yeah. Like, oh, I think you were, you were just answering it right there. Mm-hmm. Why start sort of, or why go for that level beneath? Mm. But it, it sounds like what, what you're going for is start with what they give you and figure out what their mm-hmm. actual intention was behind it. And I mean, I guess yeah, that's just it. fiction, but, yeah. but like, well, it's, it's, it's finding insight in the fiction, you know, it's like, we could absolutely. just have entertainment. And that's the thing is that a lot of the people who are watching the TV shows who then go and find our podcasts are looking for that extra insight and are looking for somebody who can find the hidden meaning that they can't find themselves. Not that they can't, but that they, um, they're just basically looking for some more of that hidden meaning. And then that's where they, that's where they find us. I feel like, cause they want to find more and they want to feel more immersed. I recently finished, uh, watching better call Saul. It's a spinoff of breaking bad yeah. question mark. Yes. I watched two seasons of breaking bad. Um, so I never watched better call Saul, but I've heard good things. So 
Better Call Saul is stellar. <laughs> uh, it's better than Breaking Bad, in my opinion. Uh, and I've heard that. I've heard that. It's it's really, really, really good, just from the performances mm-hmm. alone. Um, but what you said about camera angles, specifically, mm-hmm. uh, really, like, that is the main thing that, as as a non-critical viewer, I mean, I, I, get, I get excited about this stuff. I went really deep into Lost to know all the uh, trivia therein, but... Mm-hmm. In terms of the, the the deeper meaning and what they're trying to convey, Better Call Saul has some truly incredible cinematography, and it, like so much so that mm-hmm. a layman like me is able to to pick up on like, oh, I see what they're doing here. I see the contrasts that they're making. Um, they do a lot with with mirrors, with having one character being shown on screen and a mirror showing someone off screen, showing sort of like the the difference between the two, the separation between mm-hmm. the two, the way that they're not seeing each other eye to eye. Like really, really cool work there we need to always think about like how many people are behind the scenes there are hundreds of people working on any given episode of a tv show whether it be the actors even like the hair and makeup the costumes they're all thinking about what you know what they're trying to tell the story they're type trying to tell the writers the cinematographers the lighting designers the sound people um even the guy with the boom mic is important and is thinking about something you know like And not even to mention the director and the writers. You know what I mean? Like, there's just, like, there's hundreds of people who are trying to tell a story. And I I want to tell (laughs) their story. You know? You you mentioned the (laughs) costume designer. And that... that yeah. Blows my mind. I can't even imagine the level of detail, the eye for detail you must have to properly outfit literal the main character, you know, like the the, the focus yeah. of the entire situation. That's what that's seven levels above <laughs> where I was even thinking. I was thinking about about just where they pointed the camera and maybe the location that they picked to shoot in. <laughs> I wasn't even thinking about it. That's right. really cool. Well, the location even the location people, like that's a good point. It's like every single person on there is trying to tell something. So we, we've talked a little bit about where you go within the story to to dig a little bit deeper. But uh, what what got you started down this path? Aside from uh, maybe it was just being hyped about Lost, but what got you started in, in mm-hmm. digging deep, as deep as you possibly could into all of these shows? Yeah. So what's really cool is back in 2016, um, I was a simple film student, um, just hanging out and on Twitter talking about a cursed the uh, CW show <laughs> called The Hundred. Um, and there was a guy who lived in LA who was trying to make a podcast network. And his first one was going to be on The Hundred. And he s- randomly found me on Twitter and was like, would you like to be the like one of the hosts of this? And I was like, <laughs> I'm like, God, how old was I at the time? Uh, 21, but okay, sure, I guess, sure. Um, And he randomly was able to pair me with who then would become like my very best friend and future roommate and, you know, almost one of the most important people in my entire life, Brittany, who lived, it turned out, an hour and a half away from me. And it's just like, it really felt like, I know, it was crazy. It felt like fate because, you know, Brittany is the type of person to me um, and you guys, if you want to go check out Aficionados and listen to all the incredible, amazing stuff that Brittany says, she like feels like the type of person that you meet and you know that like in a past life, it's like you were always meant to meet her and I and I'm with her in every lifetime. 
Does that make sense? I don't sure, know. It's yeah. sort of like, you know, in this lifetime, she was my sister. And in this lifetime, you know, whatever. But like, it feels like we were always sort of meant to find each other, which is really beautiful, I think. I think that's wonderful. Um, but so, <laughs> thanks. And so um, we did that, uh, the 100 podcast for a year. And then Tim, who was the guy from LA, was like, I can't keep doing this because he wasn't making any money off of it. Um, and he was like, I actually don't have time for this. I can't do this anymore. Um, and me and Brittany were like, we're not done. And so we started our own podcast network called The Aficionados, um, which is a portmanteau of fiction and affic- uh, and aficionado, which my mom came up with. So shout out, Denise. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so then we said, you know what? The sky's the limit. We don't have to just talk about the hundred. And we also don't have to be, you know, Tim would limit us to a specific amount of time. And, you know, there was like certain limitations that Tim was giving us, which is fine because it was his podcast network. But then once it became our podcast network, we were like, we can do whatever we want and we can do more than one show Mm -hmm. as well. Um, So that's when we branched out. We did three shows immediately, which was insane. But one of those was lost. Um, And that podcast to this day is my pride and joy and my baby. Um, So I guess like that's sort of where it started. And I've just sort of like been able to continue on and like sort of build upon my my like eye for what people are are trying to convey because because I was in film school at the time like I've been to film school and I know yeah so I hope that answered the question yeah absolutely I I was just about to that's a hell of an origin story first of all I I have a couple of questions queued up here and I want to get to those uh pretty pretty soon but first I wanted to to say that before we started recording uh you alerted me that there was something going on with the sky and I'm yeah. a little concerned cuz I'm looking up there and it's it's a little unusual what's what's going on So it's weird because yesterday the sky was just sort of like a a lavender color cuz it was nice out but it's gotten increasingly more stormy and so it's just like a very like not eggplant, but like it's gotten kind of royal purpley, which is a little bit weird. It's not 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 usual. I really appreciate that the first thing you you went for for purple was eggplant. Uh, that is yeah, that's the that only like purple shade I could think very of. Very far down on the list of purples that I can think of. Gross. Uh, but eggplant purple is. I mean, that's a that's a good one. That's a that's a Crayola one right there. It's a purple. It's a purple for sure. Uh, does this? mean anything to you like why do you have any idea why it's purpleizing up there i'm a podcaster i'm not an astrologist or meteorologist you know so like um i wouldn't know oh well i mean here in the realm we've got astrologists and uh and meteor astronomers meteo astronomers uh-huh. And astronomyologists, uh, okay. because you know it's sort of a combination of space and weather up there. So it's that makes sense. I didn't, didn't go to school for any of that. So. Yeah, well, we'll have to get our our top scientists on it. Um, unfortunately, there aren't any. So I I was thinking about this this just this morning uh, as I was walking my dog, my very very wonderful dog. Uh, I, I was thinking back to the wonderful days. This is this is dangerous territory. I will I will acknowledge that we're moving into dangerous territory here. Okay. Uh, because I'm going to bring up Lost. Uh, <laughs> okay. I was thinking back to the wonderful days of the like mid to late aughts, the 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 glory days of the ARG, and yeah. back when Lost was was airing, back when Lost was sort of in its in its heyday. 
they went hard into ARG stuff. They certainly did. I loved that. And it was it was my life for a while. And the only thing I want to do, uh, it, the only way I can look back on my life and say that it was successful was if I orchestrate some incredible ARG at some point. But I feel so like cool. recently the, the, the art form of the ARG has sort of faded away. And I'm wondering if you think that there's going to be any kind of resurgence there or what what happened? Where where all the ARGs went? Because that was like peak fiction engagement among fan bases for a while there. I feel like I agree that there aren't any right now. And I don't know if I want to say that they're like past their time. But I also think that people, I don't know if like producers and stuff these days Think of it as like I think they inf- infantilize that. I think that mm. they think that um, it is like their their shows are too artsy now to do that and be like this is this is what I offer you and like you don't get anything extra and like here look at this you know I feel like I feel like executives these days think that that's like a an immature thing to do. That's a that fascinating sense. take. I love that. That makes that. That resonates really well. I'm trying to think of like a modern smash hit show and what an ARG for that would look like. And I am kind of coming up empty because those shows are so... Ever since the Game of Thrones era of completely taking over, completely leaning in, it's all about maintaining and controlling the image of the show, right? And it's Westworld. Yes. Westworld was the opportunity. And oh, that, they that is didn't a, that is, yeah, that's a perfect example. That is brutal. And, and it's, yeah, <laughs> it's painful because a lot of these shows have such fervent fan bases still. And all that they can do at this point is what, like go on yeah. Reddit and Tumblr and be like, I like this show a lot. I wish there was yeah. more <laughs> that I could be doing. Here's a fan edit I made on TikTok. Uh, it, when when the ARG stuff was going on for Lost, were you at all involved in all that? No, and I regret it every day. Um, no, I started watching Lost um the summer after it ended. Um, so the summer of 2010, and I so I got to watch it all in one summer. Um, and so I wasn't there when all that stuff was going on, but I read about it constantly, and like I love I love reading about it, but I I wasn't there. Yeah, that that stuff. They went hard with it for a long time. And there's, it is so different yeah. to onboard to Lost now than to have sort of experienced it, so to speak, as it was happening. Very, very different worlds. And yeah. I think at this point, we should let down the floodgates uh, and, and lean in just a little bit. All right. Uh, so this is a warning to all listeners. This is about to get very losty uh we'll start off as as simply as possible and maybe we can sort of ease in uh and and as it goes on we'll see how the listening uh how the listener stats just fade away the deeper and deeper we get into this but yeah let's start with something very very simple how would you describe lost to someone who's never watched it okay all right so um it's this show and the show is about a plane crash, right? And so you're like, oh my gosh, all of these people, they're lost because they've been lost on an, oh, uh, on a, like sort of this deserted island, right? But what you don't understand is that they're also lost within themselves. 
and they're lost within their lives, right? And so maybe them becoming lost on this island is what sort of makes them found within their own hearts. And they have all of this like healing happening and there's a lot of like really incredible theming and um, it's the one of the best television shows ever made and <laughs> I recommend it. Um, Ma- magic is is accurate. Uh, that's, that's a pretty good description of it. Yeah. I, I think another description of it would just be um, screaming loudly into a microphone for the entirety of a mm-hmm. six-season, 20-ish episode per season television series. Um, because that's what I was doing at my television while I was watching yeah. it constantly. So I have a, a long history of taking people that I know, particularly roommates, uh, especially in college, and saying, hey, oh, you haven't seen Lost? Oh, well, sit down and watch the entirety of this series with me. And the problem with that Same. is that Lost came out in the era of we need to have 24 plus episodes per season at an hour each, yeah. you know, 40-ish minute runtime each. Regardless of what story needs to be told. Dude, I've been doing this for six years and we just finished season three. (laughs) Putting them out monthly. That is, it is, I will say, it's a very good show. It's a very good show that has too many episodes, but it's a very good show. Uh, There are actually very few episodes that I think are totally skippable. There's there's exactly one that I can think of off the top of my head that's mm-hmm. like this could have been removed from the show and there's no different there would be no difference and is it called stranger in a strange land i don't know what the title is all right which one uh is it? it is the uh paulo and nikki episode <gasps> no that's the wrong opinion sir <laughs> that is the wrong opinion you need to rewatch that episode because okay Fair that like nothing that if you skipped it like nothing you technically wouldn't actually like lose anything from the story, but it is so well done when you rewatch it not as an episode of Lost but as like an episode by itself as like its own microcosm. You're just like wow, now that's some storytelling, you know? Like at the end that big plot twist at the end, yeah. right? you're, and you're like oh, like your whole like my whole body like tenses up. Oh, it's so good. It's, it's like a, such it's a good. A- episode by itself it is not a bad episode mm-hmm. it is not an episode of lost that's I, fair. like i i totally agree with your assessment really well done really well executed storytelling why is this lost <laughs> this could so have just fair. been a short story on its own uh, well here's the thing is that th- that you know audiences were like hey what about those random people and damon and carlton the showrunners were like okay, well, here's an episode about the random people. And they were like, hey, who are these random people? I don't care about these people. And they're like, okay, well, we that you asked for it, but okay. So for uh, extraordinarily confused listeners at home who have not seen this show or, or saw it and didn't uh, spend their entire life internalizing it. Try again, babe. Um, Try again. <laughs> Restart. Paulo and, the Paulo and Nikki episode is essentially, I don't actually remember what season. Season five? It's season three. Four? Three? Three? Really? Yep. Uh, oh, yeah. Five. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, anyway, it is an episode in which two essentially background characters mm-hmm. uh, very suddenly get thrust into the absolute forefront and have their own one-off story that both starts and completely wraps up in the same episode. 
Uh, it's just like it's just like an, an inversion of the cast. All the main characters kind of become the background characters. They're it's all the so B cool. and C plots. Uh, but these like random f- characters that you saw that they really only introduced them like two episodes prior, and then they, suddenly they, they have, they have they a actually, full episode. I think it's okay. So expose is three fourteen, I believe, and Nikki and Paolo show up in three oh three. So they're there for for five episodes or no, for like 10 episodes. And they actually do such a good job of like sort of, I wouldn't say they, they do such a good job of in. like weaving them in and stuff, but they like sort of bring them in and have them like do random things. And then in Expose, which is that episode, um, they sort of like completely turn it on its head. There's this one scene early in season three where Paolo goes with them to like a different station and he just like goes into the bathroom and comes back out and they're, he's like, the toilet works. And you're like, ha Paolo, he yep. used the toilet. And then in this expose, <laughs> it turns out he was like hiding something in the tank of the toilet. <laughs> it's so cool. It's oh, very, it's, it's very well executed. I mm-hmm. will say <laughs> we're already, we're already getting very <laughs> deep into some weeds. <laughs> All I can do is but- gush. Oh, that's perfectly okay. So we, you said that you started watching Lost around 2010 after it after it finished. You said yes. I was in grade. I was about to go into grade 10. Okay. So what what was your first take? Did you like the show at first? Like, did it grip you immediately, or did I you think, have to grow to enjoy it? I think it? that it did. So I mostly was just sort of looking for something to watch that summer because um, I just. I don't do anything during the summer. I was in high school um, and my parents had watched Lost and they had the DVDs. Um, and so that was just like something that was available to me. And that's why I started watching it because um, I'd only ever seen like a couple episodes here and there maybe. And I was confused because this is a show that you can't just like watch a random episode of and understand what's yeah. going on. Um, but yeah, I think that the the episode that grips people is episode four is the end of episode four, which is called Walkabout. Um, and it is a plot twist about John Locke, one of the main characters. Um, and uh, so, yeah, after episode four, it was just kind of like, all right, we're in, let's go. And I would that- watch, a, I would watch, I wanted to watch more, but then my dad was like, you can only watch one disc a day and then you have to go outside. It's summer. <laughs> um, and so I was only allowed to watch four episodes a day, which is relevant because four is a very important number on this show. That episode is that that episode is an excellent hook that mm-hmm. I would have I would have probably said that I think my hook was a little earlier uh, it, when the, the very first time that Jack sees Christian mm. uh, just walking around that mm-hmm. and then finds the empty coffin. So early on in the show, that's I'm a, just going to say that's 105. That's 105. Yeah. White Rabbit. I think apparently he sees I need to Christian rewatch at the end of. 104. I think we're talking about the exact same. Are we watching Thomas? Yeah. (laughs) Wonderful. Well, what a good show. Mm -hmm. And what a good way to hook you early. I mean, like, really, the early hook is the first time that it's nighttime and the monster comes out and does its good old blue Mm -hmm. and uh, knocks down some tree or knocks around some trees. And you're like, okay, wait a minute. What? Yeah. Um, But the show as a whole is. Especially season one, the intro of season one, like the first half is just mm-hmm. nonstop. Wh- what? Wait, you can't do that. Wait, how is how is that happening now? Yeah. Why is there a polar bear? What is and going they use on? Flashbacks so beautifully, like the flashbacks. They all of the characters are so well rounded and so deeply not flat. 
You know, like they all mm-hmm. and they all have like their motivations and they all have such good voices, too. So it's like, um, you know, when the writers are writing it, they're writing it the way that the characters would say it. Not like every character says basically the same thing, but then the actor is the different person who's saying it. You know, like everything that Hurley says is way different than anything that Sawyer would say. You know, like they write it <laughs> yes. in the characters' voices, which is really cool. Absolutely. Yeah, every character is very well defined. And I and honestly, the casting in the show in general is stellar mm-hmm. because every character is very well defined and feels like it was I mean, may- maybe you have some insight into this that I don't have because I, I don't actually know what the order of operations was here, but it feels like every character is stellarly written borderline perfectly for the person that was cast for it, like really yeah. leans into the strengths of everyone. They did a lot of that where they where they wrote characters based on the people that they were um, that they were auditioning. Like um, Charlie became a different character because Dom immediately or intention. What am I trying to say? Initially. What's the word? Initially um, auditioned for Sawyer. Um, really? Sawyer, yes. And Sawyer was, and her, and uh, Jorge, who played Hurley, did Sawyer's sides as well. And Sawyer was originally like more of a businessman. And then they changed that for Josh. And Jack and Kate were both there, but Jack was supposed to be murdered in the, or like killed off in the first episode. Um, <laughs> and so they brought him back. Um, and then Sun and Jin were completely made up for, they found Yoonjin, who plays Sun. She um, auditioned for Kate. So then they made Sun for her and then made Jin for Sun. I mean, um, Jin and Sun are some of the best characters on the show, though. Yeah. So thank you for that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Charlie was completely like made up sort of for Dom. Because I think Charlie was supposed to be like older as well. Yeah. So I think that like Jack, Kate, and... Locke for sure were characters that were already and Saeed I think were characters that were already already a thing. Oh my god, Saeed. If if you haven't watched Lost, the only thing that you need to know about the character Saeed is that at one point in the show his hands are bound behind his back mm-hmm. uh and he's being held at gunpoint by some captors. And with just his feet, he sweeps one of the bad guys off their legs and breaks their neck. Yeah, it, it is. It does not it's get more badass. Enjoy. <laughs> Look forward to it, you guys. It's so good. What a good show. Okay, what? What is your top three? Mm-hmm. Who are your top three characters? Sure. Okay, so mm, the order of these three change within mm, seconds of each other at any given time. Sure, sure. Um, and I would also like to give a quick disclaimer that I'm really sorry that all three of them are men. Um, there are some really good female characters on this show, um, but there are not as many female characters as male characters. It was the early 2000s. What can you do? So I just wanted to say sorry in advance that all three of my favorite characters are, are men. Um, so my first that I'm going to mention, but at any given time that the order could change is Sawyer. I think that's a good choice just because his character development is so, so good. Like, you watch season one and you're just like, this man is horrible. He's handsome, but at what cost? Because <laughs> everything he says is terrible. Um, but so the um, the character development that happens there is just so, so good. So my the number one that I'm going to say right now is Sawyer. Um, my second favorite right now is uh, Richard Alpert. Um, mm-hmm. The crazy mystery that surrounds him he comes in in season three and just like 
adds such a really cool thing, you know, like a super cool mystery that happens. Nestor, who plays him, is really, really talented and really great. Mm -hmm. And then they have that incredible episode all about him in season six that just like that really ties the, the everything best together episode of the show yeah so um richard is definitely in my top three and then my <laughs> last one who i usually say is my like number one favorite character but i think is like a goofy answer just because he's like he comes in so late and he like doesn't even really stay that long um but his name is daniel faraday and he is my favorite um because he makes me laugh so so much so jeremy davies comes in in, in season four and plays daniel faraday and he is so funny because everyone on this show is so like lovely and well-spoken and like poised sort of you know and he comes in and he's like um well uh, and just like drops things and is like i'm so well can i um um well actually i'm like just nervous and he's just like the best and he just wears and he wears a tie the whole time yeah. and you're like you're on a deserted island bud you can take off the tie but he does it <laughs> and he's just bumbling and um god i love him so he's he's Dan a is my mess favorite. of a person he's, he's he, that's he's a, just a good mess. pick He's trying his best, you know? I think he's such a good juxtaposition to, like, so many people on this show. Like, you know, they immediately put him next to Saeed, and you're just like, wow, uh, the difference here is <laughs> a lot. I want to go I want to go back to um, to Richard Alpert and, mm -hmm. and the episode with his background. Because, like, yeah. so essentially, uh, they, they took... They took this guy, like they have, they have, they have, like, like he's an incredible actor. Yeah. And they were like, we have, we have him on the show and we keep giving him like sideline parts because the character for the largest part of the show is like a gopher. Like he's, he's a, a sidekick or assistant almost seemingly to mm -hmm. Benjamin Linus uh, yeah. for, for like the lion's share of his screen time. Which also, and wow, huge shout out. Michael Emerson is incredible as Benjamin Linus. Michael Emerson's my, he's my absolute, well, okay. So I'll get to my top three later, but, sure. uh, so the episode that they have Nestor just like act his absolute heart out. Oh, they, in they, Spanish? In, yeah. Oh. Half the episode is in Spanish, which is just absurd. It is, it, it, it's, it takes place how many years ago? It's in like the oh, 1600s. Yeah. Hundreds and, of years ago. Cause the dude is essentially immortal. Yeah. And it starts with him being like a peasant man in Spain and mm -hmm. then he gets like he he gets enslaved and is on a slaver ship and that's and how like, he gets I to the island and all and of this, this stuff like, is going on this moored boat in the middle of the jungle that's been just like a mystery since season 1 and then in season 6 they're just like yeah guess who was on that ship when it crashed into the island absolutely <laughs> ridiculous levels of of just placing stuff to pay off later and he's it's like out of nowhere the show just like drops this i don't know just like the it's like they wanted to just give him an emmy it's like they were just yeah. like this guy this guy needs an opportunity to just do a uh -huh. movie real yeah. quick uh on, on our tv show uh so my my top three and and i want to see uh if this is if this is offensive or not, okay. um, so my number one is Mr. Echo. Okay, interesting. That that got some pushback on the old internet when I posted that that TikTok uh, summarizing Lost a while back. That is a really interesting choice. I don't know if I've heard somebody say that like their number one number one is Mr. Echo. So I just think that's interesting. It, it's almost exclusively just because he tries so hard. 
Mm-hmm. Like he's a good dude. He he's he's flawed. He's problematic. Yeah. Uh, he does a little bit of of lots of murdering, but he cares about his brother. And mm-hmm. and when his brother gets killed because of essentially Echo's own hubris issues, he really takes it seriously and really tries to make a change. And then he ends up on the island and has to go back to doing the whole lots of murder again. And then but, it turns out his brother was there. Yep. There and also appears around the island quite a, quite often. Mm-hmm. He's, he's a very chatty dead person. Which also gets brought back in season six. One thing that I... And we'll get back to your um, top three very soon. Mm-hmm. But I, well, I did want to say that one of the things that I really love about this show is how Damon and Carlton, who, like I said, are the main showrunners of the show, um, they thought of it as like a circle, you know? Um, they said a good show is like a circle, right? So if your show starts one place and then ends up in outer space in the other place, <laughs> <coughs> the hundred, I'm very upset still, <laughs> then you you haven't done it right. You know, everything is it's supposed to like come back together and start at the beginning, which you can tell by the very first shots and the very last shot of the show in general is that they made it a circle. It's yeah, I mean the 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 very final shot. I mean, the thing that gets me with the very final shot of the show is Vincent. Mm-hmm. Vincent laying down there. It's just like they they have to tell you it's okay. The, the dog, dog made didn't it. Die. Yeah. The dog made That's it. That's like this the whole one time. spoiler that I'll allow that I will give people before we before I start they start the show is I'm like, "Okay, but here's the thing. The dog makes it the whole time." And the and Vincent is like a critically useful character in mm-hmm. the show as well. Like good dog, as far as good yeah, dogs go. So, true. so let's see. My number one is Echo because he's <laughs> a good boy. Uh, my number two, I think, is Benjamin Linus, and yes. purely because Michael Emerson acts circles around everyone else on the show. Wow. Um, he came in out of nowhere, like. Again, as far as I understand, another character that they intended to just have for like three episodes, but he mm-hmm. just knocked it so hard out of the park. They were like, and okay, you're the main, villain. the main bad guy now. Yep. And I mean, when it comes to acting like an ominous villain, Michael Emerson is essentially unparalleled. Yep. But I, I believe, if I recall correctly, he also uh, is like primarily or was until Lost primarily a stage actor. Mm. which might explain his just presence in general. Um, I'm like, not sure if that's true, but I'm pretty certain I recall that. I'm not sure, but um, that is very impressive, if true, because like acting for the stage and acting for film is so different. Mm-hmm. It's so different. So shout out that he can freaking do both and do so good at both. I mean, he's a talented dude. Yeah. Um, I actually haven't seen Person of Interest. I should probably watch that. Yeah, I watched the first the first couple episodes of it. It's um it's really good and you know, a lot of my best friends are like huge, huge fans of it. So I recommend it without having even seen it. <laughs> Perfect. Well there you go. I'm trying to think of who my third would even be, honestly. Because like it's like those two are in the S plus 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 tier for me, and sure. I'm trying to think of like who's in my who's in my A tier. Uh I don't want to just give it to Desmond because Desmond's mm-hmm. the easy pick, right? Like everyone it's loves true. Desmond. I think Richard Alpert's a really great pick. Thanks. That's a really good pick. I might go with if I if I can if I can cheat and just say oh, Terry wow. O'Quinn. Yep. Is my third yes. favorite character. Okay. <laughs> because so Terry O'Quinn, who plays the character John Locke, he plays the character John Locke through most of the show. Mm-hmm. And then 
plays a character playing John Locke oh. for the rest of the show. The nuance! And it's amazing to watch. It's mm-hmm. it's it's ridiculous. This guy, but the actor himself does such a good job of of switching from the the passion and honesty of John Locke into he plays essentially possessed John Locke, possessed but, by effectively and the, the light devil more leaves, or less. It leaves his eyes. Like yeah. he does such a good job. Like you can you can almost tell when Terry switches it too. And it's like beautiful because Jack and Locke were always like the two main people who were adversaries. Like I don't want to say they were enemies. Like at some points they were. But well, they're like, the show was always about them. You know, yeah. it was always ultimately about them and how they were butting heads. And then by the end, when Jack learns that like this guy has been taking over Locke's whole thing and has never actually been Locke. And he has this beautiful moment in the finale where he talks about how like you are disrespecting his memory by wearing his face, but you don't understand him and you're nothing like him. I burst into tears every single time because it's always been about them. And one of the main themes of the show is is a man of science, man of faith. And Mm -hmm. Jack was always a man of science and Locke was always the man of faith. And then by the end, even though it wasn't technically Locke, they've switched. Yes. Because it's a circle. (laughs) It's so good. Because Locke Locke essentially sacrifices himself. Well, doesn't sacrifice himself. But I mean, Locke's a literal Jesus metaphor, right? Like he's- Uh, 100%. He he dies for their sins. And so is Jack. Yeah. They're both Jesus. And- Jack's dad is named Christian Shepherd. Yeah, <laughs> we we call him on our podcast. We call him Jesus, Jesus, because his name is it's Jesus, Jesus. The switch between the two and the respect shown from Jack. I mean, that's that's supposed to show. Well, one, Locke was right the whole time, yep. and two, like Jack had to finally grow because he's he essentially just embraces nihilism more or less towards the middle of the show. Like he really hits a rock bottom and it's not until he has his new calling. He realizes that he wants to go back to the Island. Mm -hmm. He at first is like, not at all about uh, John Locke being like, Hey, you should come back to the Island, but he, he does it after all. And it makes all the difference. It gives him purpose. It gives him life. And he becomes a man of faith yeah like you oh, said like it's it's it's, it's awesome so probably terry o'quinn because watching him portray the ominous all-knowing enemy hiding behind the up until now um character who's been trying to figure things out and is always at a loss and always a step behind like John Locke spends the whole show wishing to know more only to come up empty constantly. Mm-hmm. And then he dies without the answers. And then his body gets possessed by the one who is essentially withholding the answers. Oh. And that the same actor plays both those characters. And it's, it's, it's incredible. It's, it's incredible, incredible to watch. What and a good then, show. Right, right. But also like, it's so interesting because in season six, you're getting this like parallel universe slash afterlife. And Terry O'Quinn is simultaneously on the island playing Man in Black and then at the same time going into the the Flash sideways and playing Locke again. And it's beautiful Mm -hmm. to watch because as you're watching, you're just like, I 
it's like highlighting and spotlighting Terry O'Quinn's work because you can tell the difference so clearly when they're put side by side like that. Like you might not have noticed in season five when it's first introduced and you don't yet know because it's like very similar and you can't really tell the difference. But then once they put them side by side, you're just like, wow, it's it's completely different. And I don't know how I didn't see that. When it, when it was happening. It's also kind of, it's just sad because the, in the Flash Sideways, yeah. Locke's life is like pretty good mm-hmm. compared to what he, the, the, the hand he was dealt in his in his real life. I think he's the tra- most tragic character on the show. They're all tragic in some ways, but Locke takes the cake for me. Yeah, that's fair. So I want to I want to talk a little bit about uh you know you, we we were now talking about the Flash Sideways the 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 infamous Flash Sideways so yeah. this this show was most famous I believe for its flashbacks right like it yeah. it famously for three seasons it's flashback and then at the end of season three nope. you think you're watching a flashback mm-hmm. and oop again spoiler alert one of the biggest twists in TV history. Oh. It's a flash forward. It's genius. And from there, they do flash forwards. And then from there, they do flash sideways. And that is when I think a lot of people mm-hmm. quite literally lost the plot. Yep. Uh, I think a lot of, of fans started to not understand what they were seeing anymore. Yeah. And I think that this is actually might have been a problem with the state of uh, like fandom communication at the time that the show was coming out. Well, there was a lot of misinformation about what was even happening. I guess not misinformation, just misinterpretations and not a good way to reach everyone and clarify anything. And perhaps that's a fault of the showrunners overestimating what they were able to deliver. A lot of people think the flash sideways is I actually don't know what they think it is, but anyone who thinks of the entire show was purgatory or that they were dead the whole time. Like that is just mm-hmm. flat out not correct. In fact, there's a really amazing and, and clip. And it said in the last like five minutes of the show, yeah. they're like, by the way, everything that happened to you was real. And everyone's like, are you telling me that everything that happened wasn't real? Yeah, it's bizarre. No? <laughs> it's very strange that people came to that conclusion. Oh, the reason that they came to that conclusion though was the the credits of the finale. Exactly. Which yeah. was a stupid, stupid move by the network. They didn't They didn't think it through. They were like, wouldn't it be cool if we had this, like, we used this footage that we have from the pilot that we did of, like, you know, the, the beach being empty with the crash. And it's like, guys, we should have saw this coming. We didn't talk to a publicist. Like, what happened? So for the, for um, the half yeah. of a person still listening who doesn't know about mm-hmm. Lost, Lost wrapped up. They made it very clear that they were not dead the whole time. The flash sideways mm-hmm. was... A essentially purgatory. It was a space that yeah. they all collectively made together to move on to the afterlife at their own time. It, it had nothing yeah. to do with what happened in the show. It was an entirely separate thing. It's a, it's a new plot line. At the very end, as Robin just said, they say everything that happened happened. Everyone died at a different time. Now we're all here and we're going to move on together at the end. Like they fully just lay it out for you. And then directly fully. after that, they roll credits with footage of an, an empty, empty plane crash just the yeah. the pilot of the episode which imply which which very reasonably heavily implies there. they all died in the plane crash and everything that you just saw was ghosts like mm-hmm. that's the message that they gave across and i don't know what executive at abc was like this is a good idea but they i guess no. they just had the they spent so much money on the pilot episode they were probably like we have mm-hmm. to use this footage at we some have point to use more. In regards to you saying that, like, they 
sort of overestimated how like fans were going to take it, like how not how smart their fans were, but like how far in people were willing to go with the flash sideways. It's interesting because I feel like Lost was the first show that like first network show that like you really had to think about while you watch, like you couldn't just watch it while you were doing laundry. You know, you had to pay attention Mm -hmm. and they weren't just going to spell it all out for you. Like there are shows on the air who are just going to spell it all out for you. They're like, hey, here's some subtext. And the next scene, they're like, did you catch that subtext? This is what the subtext was saying. Now it's just text. And Lost was like, no, if you didn't catch it, rewatch it. And if you didn't catch it, you know, if you then eventually catch it on the fifth rewatch, good on you. You know, and they don't care if you didn't catch it. You know, they always treated the viewers like they weren't stupid. They were like, as long as you sort of half understand what we're going for, that's what we that's what we ask for. And so I agree that viewers weren't necessarily ready for something like The Flash Sideways because it had never been done before. Yeah. Shows nowadays are willing to like go in and do that. And I think that's because Lost paved the way for that. And now people are like, "Ooh, this show is so smart. And did you catch this, this and this? But like back in in 2010, when season six was airing, people weren't willing to do that work yet. I think that's really fascinating. I want to dig into that a little bit more because I, I distinctly remember like Lost was was airing around the the era of like DVR really becoming accessible to people. Mm. And I mean, DVR is a hysterical concept now. But at the time it was, yeah, like, like Lost is a show that if it came out today, preferably with a few tweaks, perhaps uh, yeah. it it. It would be a smash hit. It is the exact format for like a Netflix show uh, or in the, in the format of like, we're going to drop the whole season at once uh, and mm-hmm. you can just watch it back to back to back because that's how it's best consumed when you can reanalyze things. And I, I remember, especially in season two, when they get down into the hatch, mm-hmm. um, they spend a lot of season one building up to we found this thing in the ground that is a metal structure and they finally get inside of it in season two. And they're exploring stuff and you're just now learning that there's this big deeper mystery on the island with this organization, the Dharma Initiative. And there's a scene where uh, a, a blast door in this underground structure comes down and then a bunch of black lights turn on and it reveals this intricate like hand-drawn map on the inside of this door. And you see it for just a few moments. And if you're watching it live on TV, there's no way that you can make heads or tails of it. It just looks like a set piece. But -hmm. if you pause it with your DVR (laughs) and go back and look, which like that's what we were doing on the forums back in the day. Right. There's so much that you can glean from it. And there's there's so much information in that map that then becomes relevant later in the show. And like, yeah, that was not a thing that you could that anyone would even try doing on television until Lost. Yeah. Uh, and then we have, Bye. we later on get shows like, I mean, I don't want to just say that like, like Game of Thrones is a very good show, but it's not like it's a particularly challenging show. It's just very good at mm-hmm. setting up a lot of plot lines at once. I think that Game of Thrones, and I didn't watch Game of Thrones, but I think that Game of Thrones, rather than being a challenging show, like you said, is sort of a, not inflammatory, but like a, and not surprising, but I think it's just trying to be in your face. You know, like it's trying to, what's the word? Yeah. It's just like sort of like doing things that make you go, oh my God. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like here's some violence. Here's some uh, sexual assault. Here's some nakedness. You know, it was rather than it being uh, challenging, it was just sort of like, 
I guess the only word I can think of right now is inflammatory. Like it was just sort of like made you go, oh. It was it was pushing a lot of envelopes, I guess, or mm. not always successfully so, but it was trying to be sensational, I, I really yeah. just chasing sensation at that point. Mm-hmm. I feel like Lost kicked off an era of the how weird can we get, how far can we push the audience kind yeah. of stuff. You know, you've got, I mean, there are some like direct Lost, uh, like I don't want to say competitors, but like you've you got Fringe. Uh, yeah. you've got was heroes heroes was on around the same time, right? I think so. I think if not, that was like oh, that's a good question. Hold on. I remember seeing a lot of ads for heroes. Yeah, I actually don't remember if it, has anyone seen that show. Did anyone watch that show? But yeah, I think that Alias Alias, oh, heroes, uh, two thousand six. Yeah. So yeah, it was happening right right at the same time. Alias is another big one. Twenty four was another big one too. So I want to I want to pivot a little bit there then into uh, another issue that I think a lot of people had with not just the finale, but sort of the direction of the second half of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, up until I want to say season four, probably the show comes across as realistic to some degree. There's mm-hmm. weird stuff going on, but sure. a lot of viewers thought that everything could have a, a, a realistic answer, that there would be a scientific mm-hmm. answer for everything, that it was very sci-fi. However, by the end of the show, we have demon possession and resurrection and mm-hmm. a literal like temple to something. And <laughs> we've got yeah, gods. Don't ask me about the temple. That's got... like the one thing on the show that I'm like, I don't know, man. Yeah. I don't know about the temple. It 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 gets wild for a minute there. And yeah. we've got we've got I mean we've got a an immortal Spaniard. We've got it's a lot. Um yeah. a lot of people felt I mean, I don't know about a lot of people, but a sentiment that I see often is the show went off the rails or it it's you know, they just it wasn't scientific, like it was a huge letdown because they didn't answer all the questions. But as I rewatched the show, if you start off with the understanding that it's mm-hmm. not real, that it's that it's a fantasy show, it's yeah. very different. I'm curious if, if do you think this is a sci-fi show? This is modern fantasy. This is something mm-hmm. completely different. How do you interpret sort of the presentation? Yeah, so I I think it's both. I think that I you know see it as sci-fi, fi- sci-fi. But then when you think of sci-fi, you think I'm in space, and they're obviously not in space. So it's like, you know, there's also a modern fantasy part of it. I think that I had the privilege of starting after it was over and already sort of knowing that there was magic, you know, going on in some way. But there was always magic there when you think about it. Like Walt had special powers. There's a freaking smoke monster. There's like, you know, it it was always sort of there was pieces of magic in there. And sorry to anyone who doesn't know anything about The 100. And actually, I'm not sorry because you are better off. Um, But basically, that show was so disappointing in the end. The last two seasons were so crazy weird. And if you go back and listen to our podcast for it, it's a lot of us like being being disappointed and complaining because the whole show was about science. It was like so rooted in science. And then the last two seasons, they were just like, well, the whole end game is actually magic. <laughs> and you were like, that's stupid. Um, and I'm very upset about it. Um, but this show was always rooted in magic when you go back and look at it. And so that's why I think that it was better and worked out better was because 
it was always about magic and there was always magic there. They landed on a magic island, you know? So it's like sometimes the questions that weren't answered were were answered, but the answer was it's a magic island. And you yeah. just sort of have to suspend your disbelief because it's sci-fi. You don't watch Star Trek and you're like, this is unrealistic, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. just, that just doesn't happen. You just need to like, yeah. It was always a, it was always a kooky, weird island. You just gotta, you know... Come on. It's, it's just a it's just a kooky island. <laughs> I yeah. like that. It's a it's show a about some island. people who landed on a kooky island. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Very, very, very apt description. But I mean, yeah. yeah, it's 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 magic. It's a magic island. But the yeah premise is that you have a scientific agency, the Dharma Initiative, trying to make sense of the magic on the island, right. and they leave behind a bunch of scientific equipment. And so I think it's really easy to fall into the thought that like, okay, they came to an answer. Like they figured it out and there's there's answers to everything because of that. But like in reality, no, like they just, they got beat by the island. Like the island kicked well, their that's ass. that's the thing is that one of the main themes of the show, they tell us almost right off the bat, is science and faith, right? So of course there's going to be science here, but you always have to remember that there's always going to be just as much faith. Yeah, I mean, from the start, you've got dead people walking around. You've got mm-hmm. children showing up in random areas that shouldn't be covered in water yeah. for some reason. You've right. got whispers, presumably whispers yeah. from dead people who can't move on. You've, mm-hmm. you've got a black smoke monster. I mean, Kate, Kate sees a horse at some point. Like, yeah, so this that, show isn't about science. That is one of the few scenes that I'm like, fair, hundred uh, percent fair. I'm like, okay, well, whatever that means. There's literally no explanation. Yeah, one of the characters yeah. at some point for the for the point zero one person that is still listening that doesn't know about yeah. Lost. At one point, uh, one of the main characters sees a horse that she saw earlier in her life, but the horse is on the island, mm-hmm. and that they legitimately just never explain. So, what what are your thoughts on Kate? I'm curious. Are you yeah. a, are you a fan or or are you not a fan of Kate? Let's is, let's leave uh, the actress aside. Uh, sure. Yeah. But the character um, that is a polarizing question. Um, I would say that ultimately I like Kate. I think that especially in the early seasons, I like Kate. Um, and but however, having just gone through the end of season three or the back half of season three on our podcast. Man, are they writing her like she's really annoying. She's really annoying and they wrote her like that, you mm-hmm. know? Like there's this thing where Saeed is like, hey, Kate, please don't tell Jack about this because we don't actually trust Jack right now. And Kate's just like, well, I'm going to go tell Jack like immediately. <laughs> and Saeed's like, why would you do that? And she's just like, no one tells me anything. And it's like, okay. Like, yeah. So so that's the thing is it's like, I don't, I don't hate Kate, but I do dislike the way that she's written like 25% of the time. That's a good take. I like that. I, I I feel like they did her dirty. Like they they set up a character who is essentially the the, the female lead, and yeah. I mean she's really not by the end of the show. And right, yeah. Oh, sorry. If I go through this whole podcast without mentioning Juliet, my friends are gonna kill me. So yeah, shout out Juliet. Thanks. Yeah, Juliet was a was a, a very close contender for my third mm-hmm. favorite. In fact, I was thinking about making her number two and having Ben be number mm-hmm. one, but then I had to put Echo up there. Juliet's amazing. Uh, what a good character. And and what a good... Okay, well, hold on. Before we jump down that rabbit hole. So Kate, <laughs> uh, Kate, they set her up from the very beginning. She's a 
a, a, a felon. Like she has this mysterious mm-hmm. history. She tar- you find out the big plot twist of her very early on yeah. was that she was the, the yeah. felon on the plane. Uh, you know, what did she do? You eventually like find out what girls. she did, but like, yeah. she spends essentially the entire show self-sabotaging, and yeah. her reasoning is always bad, and mm-hmm. she effectively, in, in any given scenario, like 40% of the script could just be deleted if Kate just didn't do the stupid thing that Kate did. She's she's yeah. essentially just used as a cudgel to add more mess to the mm-hmm. plot because she just that's fair messes with everything and it's annoying because like she could have been yeah. so different in episode two eleven I think it's called the hunting party and there's this thing where they're like hey we're going on a hunting party Kate <laughs> like we're trying to find the others and we have a bunch of guns and we're you know looking for Michael and they're like going around and everything and they're like please don't come because you don't have a gun and it would be stupid if you came and she's like okay and then 20 minutes later she follows them she gets captured by the others and then they have to give up all of their guns because otherwise they're going to murder Kate and yep. it's like thanks Kate absolutely exemplary of just like yeah. how can we have Kate mess everything up again today yeah it just sucks because they're you know often like Hey, we need this to happen. Okay, who's going to be our scapegoat? Kate. It's yeah. Kate and for a while also Charlie. They just yes. do Charlie dirty for a little while. He... I think it's Boone for a while in season one, too. Oh, yeah, but it's Boone. Like, Boone's... Yeah, Boone, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Boone and um, I don't even remember her name. Shannon? Shannon. Easily forgettable. Like <laughs> Yeah. Shannon, I think upon rewatch, I love Shannon more and more every rewatch personally. But Shannon's Shannon's at least more interesting than Boone. Boone is just a. a I relate to her more and more every time I rewatch. <laughs> just sit, sitting on the on the beach, like whatever. She's like I don't want to be here. Yeah. yeah. So Juliet, though. Yeah. To contrast, Kate, Juliet goes from being well. At first, you don't really know much about her. She's very mysterious. Yeah. She she presents herself as one of the others. Uh, and leans in a little bit to the the creepiness, the I know everything about you and you don't know anything about me side of things. And then we slowly learn that she's kind of just being whipped around by Ben. Uh, yeah, and she's been hardened by the island. You know, you see her very first um, flashback, 307, which is called Not in Portland. And that's the first episode that we meet Richard Alpert in, which is exciting. Um, but like, she's so different in her flashbacks. And you're like, oh my gosh, what happened? You know? Yeah. And she, yeah, she was this up and coming, uh, like what, neonatal surgeon? And uh, her, no. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, she. Well, she's a fertility doctor. Fertility yeah. doctor. Mm-hmm. And yeah, she gets this like amazing opportunity, comes to the island. And then now she's effectively a prison guard. By the time yeah. we meet her on the island. And slowly, she starts to build up herself as a formidable opponent to to Ben. And, like, Ben yeah. being this, um, like, borderline omniscient, like, has all of his shit together. Has, has everyone doing everything. You know, he's the one playing the chess game. But his weakness is... Well, Juliet, but Juliet also just gets that confidence and starts to outplay him and starts to be the, the character that I kind of wanted Kate to be, which it's is true. the the schemer. And she pulls everything off so well. She delivers so she does so much garbage to keep Ben off of her tracks, uh, only to turn around and ruin him, essentially, because she's a badass. I think she's my number three, actually. Instead of Locke? No, we got to have a woman up there. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna bump off Echo. 
Echo can exist okay. in his own little like he's my favorite. But my top That's three fair because because Echo was there for such a small amount of time. I feel yeah. like then if I if I if you're gonna do that, then I should probably bump off Dan. <laughs> um, and up, I don't know. My my top three is so set in stone for me. I don't even know who my number four would be. Probably probably Hurley. Hurley's good. Hurley's a good pick. I feel like Michael doesn't get a lot of love. You're completely correct about that. Um, in fact, he gets a lot of hate. Mm-hmm. Um, I have like our my one friend Kim is like the number one Michael stan, and I'm so excited to have her on. Um, in season four to talk about Meet Kevin Johnson, which is like mm. Michael's big, uh, big episode. Because I was like, there's no way I can have a Michael hater on that episode. Yeah. Like Michael deserves to have a Michael lover on that episode. So. I mean, he's a yeah, good Yeah, but that's character. totally, he doesn't get a lot. Yeah. he And he gets a lot of hate for the things that he's made to do just because he loves his son. I mean, he's he's got, he has to deal with a lot of crap and he, he has, yeah. he makes mistakes. Impossible situations. Like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's the only one on that island that for a while deals with direct issues. Everyone else is like, mm-hmm. I mean, everybody's stuck on the island. But he's like, hey, y'all are talking about like your interpersonal squabbles. They kidnapped my son off a boat. Yeah. Like, and no th- one's <laughs> talking about it. <laughs> what am mm. I supposed to do with that? Like, yeah, yeah, Jack, Kate, and Sawyer are having a love triangle. But my son is <laughs> yeah. somewhere on this haunted island. <laughs> where do you Where do you fall on the love triangle? Uh, or the love square. I I I'm a fan. I, I I am happy with the ship of uh Sawyer and Juliet. Yeah, Sawyer and Juliet are are a very good couple. Uh, Jack needs to never be in a relationship ever, 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 ever. He is a disaster. So uh, and yeah. same with Kate. Really, honestly, at the end of the day, Kate Kate has. So many problems with doing the wrong thing all the time, yeah, uh, and never knowing what she actually wants, and then suddenly she, what she actually wants is to be a mother to Aaron, uh, yeah, and then never mind on that actually, and mm-hmm. it's she's she doesn't know what she wants. Both of them need to never be anywhere near each other ever again. But I mean, the best relationship on the show is uh, Jin and Son. Incredible. I think I think that for me, like honorable mention, Bernard and Rose. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Actually, yeah, flip that. Yeah, Bernard and Rose, I, best relationship on the show. Yeah. But, but that's because like they just chill, they just vibe yeah. the whole time, and then they're like, you know what? Beautiful Screw because all you like you. learn that they like haven't even been married that long. Like they fell in love later in life. It's like it's a beautiful story of hope, and I just love it. It's super wonderful. And when they like yeah. make their little shack on the on the island, and, <laughs> and like they have a dog. <sighs> God, so, so nice. good. Uh, but but Jin and Son, like the mm-hmm. the dynamic there, the back and forth around like growing together, growing apart, growing back together, and then of course their just absurd emotional death scene. Uh, <laughs> it's so hard to process emotions around that episode because it's like I'm watching these two stellarly portrayed characters having gone through so much. Drowning in a submarine that yeah. just exploded. Like they haven't seen each other for like three years, I guess. And then Jin's like, I'm not leaving you, even though he's like technically free. And it's like, okay, but like, what about your daughter that you never got to meet? Uh, I Get mean, going, man. Like, I don't know. I think it's beautiful. And I love that. I love their love. I love Sun and Jin. But I do have complaints that Jin didn't save himself when he could have. I... I think they didn't know what to do probably yeah. with the writing there because their their kid, the like son being pregnant 
while an important plot point is also very unimportant in, in terms of like... Yeah. Well, that's why they, they always get rid of the kids. They're just like, and Aaron is off the island, and Jian is off the island, and Walt is off the island, and like they just get rid of them. Yeah, like, bye-bye. I mean, like, yeah, like, you've, you've got these these two characters that are so wonderful together and, like, really portray one of the biggest struggles of any two characters in the show, period, mm-hmm. in everything, including their, their background, especially. And then, yeah, to to show Jin making that, like, honor play, basically, the, like, no, I'm here with you. Like, I, yeah. I just, I love it. Well, that's probably enough lost talk for, uh, <laughs> for now. I mean, it's not for mm-hmm. us. But no, for for the listeners, but if you're looking for hundreds of hours of talking about Lost, I'll tell you about it. Absolutely, I I actually want to do this is this is going to take a very long time. But last winter, I rewatched all of Lost. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of want to do that again and do a watch the episode, listen to your podcast, watch the episode, listen <gasps> to your podcast kind of watch. I so. would be so honored. I'll if I if I get around to if I if I can find an inch of time to do that mm-hmm. I will I will be doing it and I will let you know if how it helps it goes. we do summarize every episode at, like we summarize it before it happens so you don't have to rewatch the rewatch it to listen to it thank you so <laughs> much for hanging out with me today uh, in the astral realm and talking way too much about Lost even though we both could probably talk for several yeah. more hours. Thanks for having me. I'm sorry that the sky was acting so weird the whole time. Yeah, I'm going to have to look into that one. And it seems to have been getting a bit more purple as we've been sitting here. Almost eggplant purple. Not quite. Yeah. And you know what? The the clouds are much better. They're like, they look like also purple. Wait, the clouds are purpleizing? That's, that's. Okay, that's dangerous. I'm gonna go have to fix yeah. the cloud machine. Yeah, I'll get to like that co- after this. It like, could be cotton candy, but like I can't tell from here. <laughs> well, the cloud the clouds here are actually made of cotton candy, so if they're purple, oh, that's okay, that's that not good because I did not load Sorry, in. Sorry, I've never been here before. No, it's it's fine. It's fine. It's it's everybody okay. learns at some point, but just grab a cloud on your way out and uh, and enjoy okay. really. Um, Great. But th- thank you again for coming on the podcast. And of course, uh, you know, you've been talking about um, your, your Lost podcast and, and a few others. Is there anything else that you would like to uh, let everybody know about to come listen to far more uh, geeking out about about everything? Sure. Thank you. So, um, yeah, like I said before, um, our podcast network is called the Aficionados Podcast Network. Um, I'm sure that we will put a link in the links will be in or- everything. Or something, um, but yeah, we cover Lost obviously, and we covered um, the hundred as it was airing, and now we're going back to do some of the seasons that we haven't done, just as a catharsis because we were all really hurt by how that show ended. Um, we also have done every single episode of Riverdale. Um, you don't have to watch Riverdale to listen to it. Most people don't, and apparently, it's still just as fun to listen to. I watch Riverdale so that you don't have to. <laughs> um, we also have done uh, the first three seasons of Stranger Things. And we are covering season four coming up in 2023. And then we did the first season of Star Trek Picard. Um, so you guys can check that out. That's sort of archived now, but um, that I- exists. Um, and yeah, so we are continuing to do that. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash the aficionados, um, where you can get like early access and a Patreon only podcast and stuff. And that's sort of like what we do there. And then I also make embroideries um, at hybridy.com, which is H I B Y. R-D-I, 
um, where I do some embroideries of Lost characters, of Stranger Things characters, of the 100 characters, of Riverdale characters, of all of the things. Um, and I also do customs if you guys want. Um, and other than that, you can just follow me at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y pretty much everywhere. Um, I think that's it. I do a lot of things. <laughs> I'm about to go get one of those lost embroideries. I know you said that you had I a lot of orders already, it. but <laughs> that's okay. I will take my time on yours specifically because oh. I know that it's not for the holiday. Thank you so much. <gasps> I, I I will. Yeah, I'll I'll order it as as non rush shipping as I possibly that would can. Would be great. <laughs> yeah, delayed shipping. In fact, you know, just delay it to 2024. You know, That'd sh- be great. I'll sh- take it. <laughs> ship it well. Thanks so much for having me. I had so much fun. I love being on other people's podcasts where I know that I don't have to do any more work after. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, I'll have to go find some sort of magical podcast editing creature and see if I can offload some of this work to them. But in the meantime, be great. And just me. Also, ooh, real quick. Um, if any of my people are listening to this, can you tell them things about you and where they can follow you? Sure. Uh, my name is Endeavorance, and I am just some dude. You can find everything that I am doing at endeavorance.camp. Uh, I largely make content uh, like this, just kind of exploring subjects and and thinking about things. But uh, I also talk quite a bit about the internet and humanity and sort of the intersection of those things. Um, I have a Discord server called the Astral Campgrounds that is super wonderful and filled with excellent people uh, and is increasingly becoming a bit of a combination online community and real-time RPG. So uh, check that out. It's a good time. Um, All of my links, again, are on endeavorance.camp. Uh, because I'm I am weird and have a .camp domain name for some reason. Respect. One more massive thank you to Robin for coming on the show. It was an absolutely excellent time talking to you about, well, Lost. Thank you so much for listening. This is going to be the last episode of Podcast from a Desk in the Astral Realm for 2022. I'll be back very early in 2023 first week of January if I can, uh, and I will give ample notice when the next episode is going up. Thank you for being a subscriber. Thank you for listening. I'm going to get a few more amazing guests lined up, and I'm looking forward to it. But in the meantime, there is, of course, plenty of other content from me that's going to keep going up. You can check out my YouTube channel, of course, my TikTok, and as always, check out the Astral Campgrounds. Check out join.astral.camp, and I'll hope to see you there. Take care of yourself this winter and have a wonderful holiday season. Take care and be well.